thanks for taking the time to stop by the campfire. I'm your host, Cole Kelly. Summer camp provides everyone involved a great deal of fun and a surprising amount of learning. Yes, it's actually true. You can have a blast while learning things that will help you later on in life. It doesn't matter whether you're a 7-year-old first-time camper, a 16-year-old CIT, a college-age staff member, or a year-round professional with more than two decades under your belt. There's always a lot of learning to do at summer camp. The idea behind this podcast is to shine a light on some of those lessons that we learn at summer camp and figure out how we can apply them to our lives back home. I hope you'll hear a few bits of summer camp wisdom in this little bit that you can put to work immediately back in your daily life. Now, an important conversation is going on right now, both in the camp world and everywhere else. It's a conversation about diversity. When you look across the history of summer camp, there's a lot of diverse aspects. There's also a lot of ways in which we as an industry can do better. I'm so excited to have someone around the campfire tonight who has thought deeply about both summer camp and diversity. Brianna Mitchell is a lot of fun to be around. Her enthusiasm for camp and her approach to education is both fun, refreshing, and is completely useful right now. Brianna has lived in and worked at summer camps since 12 years old and has served for Teach for America as a teacher, started a summer camp resource focusing on BIPOC camp experience, which is called S'more Melanin, which I love the name of, has rescued a dog named Pickles and done a ton of other things, including graduated from USC, which we're not going to hold that against her. There's actually a lot more to learn about Brianna, so instead of listening to me, let's listen to her. I hope you'll enjoy this great campfire conversation with my new friend, Brianna Mitchell. Brianna Mitchell, I'm so happy to have you around the campfire. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. So you have grown up, um, actually, you spent a lot of time in camp and have been around a bunch of campfires uh, before this one. Uh, and obviously now we got a digital one here, but tell me a little bit about your, your camp story. How did it start and, and where has it taken you? Absolutely. So I'm definitely a camp kid. I like to, as I've reflected on this, as I have become a camp professional, I think about my camping experience in sort of five phases. And so the first phase, I grew up starting at day camps. So I grew up in Oakland, California. And in the summers, I would go to a nearby college preparatory school for their summer camp program, which is really just an academic enrichment program. <laughs> and they, they threw in, they threw in pizza and called it and called it a summer program, but for, for con- maybe we'll count that. I don't know. Right. And for con- for context, my, my father is West Indian, so he's Jamaican and he's Panamanian. And so in their mind, there's never enough school. Sure. And so yeah. we pretty much went to like day camp, but it was like, it was really school. It was, um, it was cool. And so that's what was my first foray into like day camp programs. And then when I was um, eight years old, I moved to Miami and that definitely changed sort of like what our summer opportunities looked like because Miami is a very athletic culture, largely because of the the weather, you can play sports all year round. And so I definitely started going to sports camps. And so I started going to tennis camp and soccer camps and basketball camps. And I think that my mom should probably get a refund because I'm terrible at basketball. (laughs) I went to, I went to Miami heat basketball camps and I'm not good at all. <laughs> really bad. And so I really started going to sort of like sports camps and then some specialty camps, of course, like 
most young, young women at some point, I decided that I could be a good actress. So I went to theater camp. I don't think I ever had a speaking part. So I think that probably will give you some indication as to my, my acting prowess or lack thereof. And so I started to go to like sort of more, more specialty camps when I was living in Florida. And then I think the most formative experience was I moved to Maryland the summer in between sixth and seventh grade. And I told my mom that I wanted to go to sleepaway camp. I thought that it would be a good opportunity for me to be able to just like grow into my own a little bit, to gain some more confidence and to just help me make friends. Even though I just moved to a new town, my friends weren't going to be at the camp, but it could just give me some at bats with introducing myself to new people and starting to make new friends. So and you're 12 years old at this point, you think? Exactly. Yes. So the summer going into seventh grade and the summer going into eighth grade, I went to a all girls sleepaway camp in Pennsylvania and it's, it's called Camp uh, Penbrook, and it was in Pennsburg, Pennsylvania, which is very confusing. And so I very often mix those. And I've actually seen my former camp director on some like ACA New York, New Jersey, like webinars. Oh, and I'm cool. like, I wonder if he remembers me. He's going to remember me because we had a very unique experience where, and this is one of the things that I, that was sort of my main takeaways from going to sleepaway camp. Mm-hmm. So one of my main takeaways is that so just my personally, with my background, I grew up always a like speck of pepper and a sea of salt. So I was always uh, one of very few black or brown children in the different environments where I lived. And you sort of become accustomed to that in a school setting or in an athletic setting. But when you start to live mm-hmm. with people, you start to see some nuances or differences that you're just not privy to when you're going to school and then going home every day. And so that definitely was a big shift. It was very formative for me because I started to notice some little differences like the way that I, that I take baths or showers, like I always use a washcloth. And I remember some of my fellow campers being like, why do you use that? Or uh, how often I wash my hair. I don't wash my hair every day. And so that's a conversation point. And then of course there's the point, the ever present point of like wearing sunscreen. Like I have to wear sunscreen because my skin burns very badly, but a lot of people don't think that people with melanated skin can sunburn. Mm -hmm. And in particular with the hair piece, I'm going to say my former camp director is definitely going to remember because my mom had to call the camp and get permission for me to leave for the, just the day. So I could go get my hair rebraided because it's not something that like I can redo myself or like anyone else at the camp could do. There was only one other counselor of color around. Mm-hmm. And so he definitely will remember because it was a very unique request. And so I'm sure if I like asked him, he would remember. So <laughs> I, so, so middle, I would say middle school, I went to sleep away camp and that was very transformative for me. And just in terms of what it did for me with my own self-confidence and my own sense of self-reliance. I experienced tragedy with the loss of my father when I was eight years old. And as a result, I was very attached to my mom. Like Mm. we're talking like 12 years old, still holding her hands. Like Mm. I was very, very attached. That's how my eight-year-old trauma brain coped with the loss was to just like barnacle cling on to my mother. And so I just decided one day I was reading the back of 17 magazine, which I hope someone out there is old enough to remember that magazine. (laughs) And in the back, they had advertisements for camps. And I found, right? And I found uh, Camp Penbrook and I told my mom that I wanted to go. And she was very reluctant only because she she too knows how attached I was to her. And she said, are you sure you want to go for the whole summer? And I was like, I think I'm ready. So she was, she suggested that we try maybe a two week session. And then if I liked it, then I could extend. And I ended up staying the entire summer, my first summer. And then I went back a second summer. That's awesome. Yeah. Quick question. I mean, You've moved a lot. I mean, yes. Oakland to Miami to Maryland, the loss of your father. 
it takes a lot of courage just in normal years to go to, to camp if, if everything is hunky-dory back home. What was it in you that allowed you to take that big step? It's a great question. I This is something I've thought a lot about. I don't have any children of my own, but I have a niece. And when I think about, she's 18 months. And when I think about her own experience, I recognize that and, and how her experience is just so different because she's growing up in the time of a pandemic. But one of the skill sets that I didn't realize that I possessed and valued until I got much older was moving to different states to different schools, you just have to put yourself out there. Like you have to be the new kid. You have to introduce yourself. You have to make friends. You hope that there is like this beautiful sort of natural process that, oh, there's a new person. Let's all welcome them in. But we know how kids are. Like kids are like, who is this person? And we know how adults are too. <laughs> we know how people are. <laughs> that Like sometimes it's not always the case. And so I would say it was that level of comfort with putting myself out there and trying new things that led me to even consider going to a sleepaway camp and sort of stepping into the unknown. And I think one of the, the, the values that I take away from my own experience as a camper, which is what has led me to pursue the world of camps as a professional, is that I can speak to just what it did for me and how my self-confidence and my self-reliance just skyrocketed when I went to sleepaway camp. And when I was deciding where I wanted to go to college, I was living in the DC area at the time. And I decided that I wanted to go to USC, Southern California, which is 2000 miles away and very far. Yeah. And no one, my, my college counselors were very concerned because they were saying like, no one has gone to this school in a long time. You're going to be sort of like out on your own. And my mom was saying, you know, if you have a bad day, you can't just get in the car and drive home. Like you, we're going to have to plan for visits. And Moral of the story is that going to USC was one of the best places I've ever made. And I full on believe that I got the confidence to be able to go so far away and the self-reliance and independence because of what I learned when I went to sleepaway camp. And so I, that's one of the reasons why I am just so passionate about the power of camp. And it's important to me to make sure that everyone, regardless of their previous experience or where they're from, gets to have the opportunity to experience the joy and the value of camp because I can speak to what it did for me personally. Uh, that's awesome. And now we fast forward a little bit and you actually now are director of a camp as well. I am. Yes, exactly. So I'm the director of a camp. It's called AF Camp, short for Achievement First Camp. And so what we do with the organization that I work for, Change Summer, is we build residential sleepaway summer camps for charter school organizations. And so we have two camps. The first camp is Camp Uncommon, and it's going into its sixth summer. And then we have AF Camp, which last summer was supposed to be our first summer. But then, of course, given all of the things, we decided not to move forward with our first summer virtually. But this summer, we were planning to move forward with in-person camp. And sort of to your point, I get the I get to do this work of, of spreading the joy and, and spreading the message about camp to families. And the, given the population that I serve, my families are largely black and brown families, and they are largely folks who don't have a ton of their own personal experience with camp. And mm -hmm. so part of my role is, is figuring out how to, one, make sure I'm doing the right work to ensure that like we're not just building a camp program based on maybe the camps that I went to, which were traditionally very white camps. It's doing the work to make sure that my camp is representative of my, of my community and of my campers. And then also getting my families to sort of like be bought in to the magic and the joy of camp. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I know it's funny. We have um, uh, one of our assistant directors is a black woman um, who has been with us for a number of years has been fantastic. And she and her husband do a great job of helping us, make sure that we're looking at the broad variety of everybody coming to camp. And one of the things that they have lamented on is that potential staff members, black and brown staff members look at camp, like what the heck is this camp thing? Like, I'm not, I'm not interested because I don't know anything about it. What from your experience have camps done well 
in terms of bringing in people uh, black and brown and, you know, all different diversity, because it's, it's not just the skin color that we're sure. talking about at camp that's diverse, it's thought processes and, you know, who you love and all these different pieces. What have camps done well from your standpoint of diversity and equity and inclusion? And then we'll get to later, what, what, what can we do better? Sure. Excellent. So I think one of the things that camp has done really well is that in general, regardless of sort of the context, is that camps have created a space or a world or a place where we sort of normalize what Simone Gamble calls these oops, ouch moments. And Mm so regardless of the camp or the camper, one's experience at summer camp is going to be an exercise in challenges and opportunities to try things differently, right? So camp is a place where you can maybe try a different swimming stroke if you want to try the the freestyle or, or a backstroke. If you are taking tennis lessons or a tennis class, you can try a different tennis group. If you want to go for a one-handed to a two-handed backhand, or you can audition for a a role in a summer play, you might not get a speaking part like myself, but still uh, summer camps are a beautiful opportunity for folks to be able to try new things. And so there is a requisite fumbling that sort of happens when you try new things and there is an expected feeling of failure. And I put failure in quotes because I don't actually think that they're failures. And so Camp communicates to all of us in so many different ways by the way that we support each other, the way that we enthusiastically talk about our activities and our programs, that it's okay to put ourselves out there, even if we're going to mess up or we're going to fail, that we're going to be better for having gone through it. And I think that that is something really beautiful that camps do for everyone. And I think that we can actually apply that to the world of diversity, equity, and inclusion in that so many camps have already done that work in creating a space where they're not setbacks, but they're setups for success. And mm-hmm. we're expected to just try things. And so we need to take that spirit that we, most of us and most of our camp programs already embody in the like, this is where you get to try things out and you get to do new things and apply that to the world of diversity, equity, and inclusion. So I think we do that part well, which is the embracing of trying new and different things. Yeah, I, I love that idea of the oops and the ouch moments. You know, we, we talk a lot about at, at our place that we either win or we learn. You know, it's mm-hmm. one, of the, one of the two. But yet it seems like, and it, I agree with you in camp, we do create that community, that that situation where you can learn and you are going to be patient with one, one another. It seems like, and it's coming from the outside looking in, it seems like though in a larger cultural piece, we're not as patient with one another. We're not as patient as, it doesn't feel like you can make those mistakes right now based on what you read in the mass media and whatnot. How do you think we can instill more of camp into the world so that we do have that space where people can say, yeah, we made a mistake and we're okay. We're going to move forward and we're going to learn. Absolutely. So I think first is is naming that. I think that we are sort of getting communicated to us with maybe books that we're seeing or folks who are talking about very complex topics of inclusion in the mass media, that it's not okay to make mistakes. And that is a, that is a standpoint. And that is one that is fine for people to ascribe to, but I believe that we are going to make mistakes. Like no one is going to get this right, but it's naming that, that this is a process and also naming that we are not going to allow a potential mistake to stop us from the continued uh, readjustment or reevaluation to get it right. And I think we need to stamp that for folks. I think we do a lot of things, even sometimes really great things, but if we don't stamp them, that is one of the brief, that one of the really important lessons I learned, I was a director of operations for a charter school network. And so one of the things that I learned was you have to name everything that you're doing, even things as simple as like, hi, I put out bagels today because I know that it was a rough winter morning and you had to get to work early. And so you maybe didn't have a chance to have breakfast, but you have to tell people what you're doing. And so I think if we take this approach of the opportunity to try new things, the oops, outs moments, but we name 
we're likely going to fumble. However, we are committed to the process and we're committed to getting better. I cannot imagine that there are many folks who cannot respect or at least get behind an entity or a camp or even a person who is acknowledging that they might not get it right. But here is what I'm doing to get better. And these are the steps that I'm going to take to continue to improve. Got it. Fantastic. All right. So camps do a great job of, of creating those communities and creating those moments where you can have the oops and ouch and, and you can name and move forward. I know we do a lot of that in, during orientation, certainly mm-hmm. with our staff members. We're going to name this is what we're doing. This is why. And then hopefully they will then do that for the kids. What are on the flip side, some things that the summer camp industry, you feel like can learn and can get better at? Absolutely. So one of the largest learning points that I've uncovered as I've worked with camps and their people is that working with black and brown families or families who identify as different can oftentimes mean taking a different approach. Mm. So historically, we know that there are a lot of families and a lot of people that have been intentionally or systemically largely left out of the camp world or out of camp spaces. And that has had a number of implications. To your point, you said you've seen it and maybe when you're trying to recruit staff members and they're saying like, I don't necessarily have an experience with camp, so I can't necessarily see why this would be valuable. Mm. And so I think that the first thing that we need to do is just be mindful of that fact, first of all, and also to think about little things like even how we address our folks. So be open to shifting language. So going from saying on your enrollment forms, parent and child to maybe being open to considering family and slash guardian and or camper, because we know that different different folks have different familiar structures or different uh, child rearing structures. And so little things like that start to go a long way. And so I think that the first thing overarchingly is to recognize that the approach needs to be different. So it can start with something as simple as the way that we refer to our people. And then I think that there are a a couple of other ways that come to mind very easily. The first is recognizing that you might be interacting with groups who might have a different approach to childcare. As the child of a Jamaican and Panamanian, the notion of someone else watching your child or paying for childcare is one that took some time for my parents to acclimate to. It took time. It took other people seeing other people do it successfully. And it took just an openness. And so recognizing that that might just be a new approach where you have other people watch your children or you pay for other people to watch your children. And so we need to understand that going in and to adjust our approach. So what I recommend is we need to go to families where they are. Many folks want to meet those who will be working with their children face-to-face. And if you can't do that in person, Zoom has opened up so many possibilities, host an information session via Zoom for prospective families, and they can see the director and get to meet them because they want to know who's going to be looking after their child in a way that feels very important to helping them make a decision to move forward. Mm -hmm. And then Something else is to start small. If you are looking to maybe engage new folks into the conversation of camp, go to where they are. Maybe if you know that you are looking to recruit, let's just say, I'm completely pulling this out of my back pocket, but if you're looking to recruit folks from Dallas, find a community center or a park in Dallas and do a week, a day where you're teaching prospective campers camp songs and camp games, and you're going to them. And then furthermore, families especially families who largely who identify as families of color like to be included in the process. So I would say if you are able to either at your camp or if you don't own your facility, find a facility nearby where you can host a weekend at camp and bring the families, let them come do camp games, show them camp activities because families need to be able to see sort of like what could potentially be happening when their child is at camp. I think we need to not only metaphorically, but also physically meet Mm -hmm. folks where they are because I think that that is going to go a long way. So that's one of my biggest learning points is, is 
overarchingly adjusting your approach and recognizing that your approach might need to be different if you're talking to somebody who has no context for the summer camp world versus if you're talking to somebody who they have the camp that they went to as a child and they understand the benefits of camp and they might not need as much sort of introduction or context. Yeah, and I think that it's, it's such an important point to do right now because if, when you look at the dem- demographics of the United States, it is changing, you know, as it always does, uh, but it's getting a great big inflow now. We're going to have a lot more people of color or, or mixed race, you know, colors across the board. Um, and if camp, I mean, look, we all want camp to keep going because it's such a great experience for everybody involved, but it can't be the same populations that it's always been or else if you don't change you know, Mm -hmm. we found, then you're not going to grow. And if you're not going to grow, that means you're going to die. And we don't want camping to do that. So now you're, you've actually been working very closely with the New York, New Jersey ACA office. Um, For those that don't know, the American Camp Association is a wonderful organization that oversees all of us. uh, And camping provides a lot of great uh, resource, a lot of great research uh, that's been happening lately, especially for COVID. And then you have regional offices all throughout. You've been working specifically with my office, which Mm -hmm. is the, the New York, New Jersey what are you doing with them and, and how is that going for, going forward? Great question. So one of the things that we've done is we've put together a committee, a diversity, equity, and inclusion committee, which mm-hmm. used to exist many, many years ago. Mm-hmm. And then sort of, whether for natural reasons or just in the way that things go, sort of like disbanded. And we recognize, especially last summer, that like there needs to be a dedicated group of individuals who are focusing on this work. And so we have reinstated a diversity, equity, and inclusion committee. And one of the things that we did really differently. So earlier, I would say maybe in July, there was an ask that went out, like a general ask via email from ACA New York, New Jersey for folks to join a BIPOC and camping affinity group. And the, the, the person who's responsible for groups of this nature said, you know, I just, we didn't get any responses. Nobody was interested. I don't know how we're going to engage these folks. They don't want to, they don't want to join. And so even when we were crafting this diversity, equity, and inclusion committee for ACA New York, New Jersey, we took a long approach at the language that we were using to even talk to folks about this committee, right? Mm-hmm. We adjusted saying that we know we haven't done it right. This is why we think we need to do it. This is why we want you to support us. This is These are places where we think we need to grow. And we just changed the approach, right? We had over 50 applicants apply to join this committee because just thinking, taking a step back and thinking about how you're communicating what it is that you want. And a part of it was what I previously mentioned, which is acknowledging we haven't gotten things right in the past. We recognize that like, New York, New Jersey, like our board, it's not super diverse. Like our camps are not, a lot of them are our for-profit, whatever the, the, the back mm-hmm. the makeup is, excuse me, just acknowledging that there is room to grow. And so one of the things that we've been doing is we've had two meetings now and we are figuring out ways. I think there are two very important things. The first is identifying what the, the actual ACA can do mm-hmm. and how that's different from how we can support ACA membership camps because ACA is a membership organization, right? And so we're trying to figure out like, what are the strategic plans, strategic initiatives that ACA New York, New Jersey needs to embody. And one of the things, for example, is there are currently open board seats for the ACA New York, New Jersey. And there's a commitment that has been made to fill 50% of those open seats with folks who identify as people of color, right? Which is huge. That is having a, I do not want to use the word mandate, but Making a commitment of that nature is something that is very different for the ACA New York, New Jersey, and it shows a lot of growth and a lot of intentionality. And so we're, we're doing things on two levels. One is, as I said before, from the ACA New York, New Jersey level as their, as their own organization, 
but then also with how we can support camps who are members of ACN New York, New Jersey, and making sure that they are growing their diversity, equity, and inclusion practices at their own camps. Awesome. And I guess really, I should have asked very early on, and and because the language, just as you said, is so important on how you communicate this, you could draw people in or can repel people out or, or whatnot. From what is, could you define in your sense, diversity, equity, and inclusion? Sure. So it's so interesting. I think it means different things for different people. For me, diversity is a challenge, by the way, I think it is a challenge. (laughs) So that's one of the first things that I do whenever I I support support somebody or whenever I'm working, whether it's in my own organization or for another organization is to come up with the language for your specific group. Right. So you're stamping it like you said. And again, and you're communicating to folks for us. For, for Camp A, this is what it means to us, right? Mm-hmm. We understand that there is a greater societal definition or sociological definition, but for us, this is what it means. And so for me, diversity is difference and it's having different folks at the table who are able to make contributions. And that's difference in a number of ways, whether it's race or gender identity or socioeconomic status, it is difference. Mm-hmm. Equity is recognizing that we are not coming from an equal playing field. So what are the things that we need to do? For example, if you are going to, just giving you an example, if you're going to try and recruit more staff members who are maybe staff members who identify as campers of color, and you might have to go to a different college. And some of those colleges might be, there are a lot of HBCUs, for example, that are in the South. Mm-hmm. If you don't traditionally offer like a travel allowance or a travel statement for counselors, maybe you're going to want to do that for folks. If you're trying to get folks who are coming from, let's say, maybe Morehouse or Spelman who are in Atlanta versus mm-hmm. if you traditionally have a counselor population that's coming from New York where they can just get in a car and drive or easily take the train. Right. So it's making adjustments to ensure that are recognizing the fact that we're not starting at the same place. And mm-hmm. so how do you account for that? And then inclusion is making sure that those differences are represented in every element of a camp program. So, or any element of a program. So it's not exclusively with, one of the things that I see to your previous points where I think that folks aren't, not to say they're not getting it right, but where they could grow Mm -hmm. is that inclusion doesn't just mean that you get more black and brown campers, right? Right. It means that you recognize that in order to get, keep, retain, and not even that, to ensure that your campers have a quality experience. So my brother went to, went to a camp over the summer and it was the first time he was called the n-word and he it was horrible for him my mom was like do you want me to come pick you up like it was such a devastating experience for him right and there was nobody at the camp who seemed to really elevate it to the level of importance that we did because we knew how this could be traumatic for him so its inclusion is also about recognizing that it is a multi-pronged approach so it's not any one thing. Inclusion isn't just having campers who maybe identify as campers of color or just having team members who identify as campers of color. It's also ensuring that in your camp program, mm-hmm. every there's a variety of voices included. So little things to like your, your songs that you're playing, the names of your cabins, like the types of performances, the types of plays that you do during your drama performance. Are you going to do The Wizard of Oz every summer? Or maybe you should try The Wiz, which is like the Black version, right? Mm-hmm. So inclusion means ensuring that all of these differences that represent the diversity ha- are seen and can see themselves and are included in every element of your program. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. I'm having a hard time not getting you know, Michael Jackson out of my head as The Wiz. I, that was, I still love that show. Um, so good. Oh my gosh, it's amazing. Um, all right, so one question, I, I, you know, the N-word, you brought it up. Um, mm-hmm. We've had experience in the camp where um, 
young a young man used the word not pointedly at a, a, a black camper, um, but use it around him um, because he had heard it on the song. You know, and we say all the time, look, guys, we're not going to play music. That's not. And when a lot of our young men of all different races listen to rap or listen to other music that will use that term quite a bit, that, that it, it raises an interesting point. The young man felt terrible. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the, the young black man came up to me and said what happened. And we pulled the, the, the white guy out and said, look, this is what's going on. And this is what you said. Did you say it? Yes. Oh my gosh. And he, he started crying right immediately because he knew it, it had hurt this young man's feelings. Um, parents got involved and, and it, it worked out great uh, in the end. It was a good learning experience, but how could, what would you say to young you know, men mostly because they're the ones that are listening to this and might be using the term that are not from black and brown communities uh, but yet they hear it all the time on the radio or on the, the songs that they're listening to. How would you approach that? That's a great question. And it is a question that comes up very, very often. Mm-hmm. I would say the first is, I think that there have been many responses to how folks have tried to grapple with or contend with issues of race. Mm-hmm. And one of them that I have seen that people employ is being colorblind, right? And saying, we're all, we're all the same. I don't want you to see difference. I don't raise my children to see any difference. Mm -hmm. And from my standpoint, that's not actually helping anybody. It's actually hurting folks because we're different because we, we recognize that we are different. So I would say the first is you need to have conversations with folks about the fact that you are different and that this term or this word is addressing somebody who is different than you. And you need to give historical context, right? Of like, this is why this word is hurtful. And this is why this word uh, is potentially damaging. And you might hear it and it might be very prevalent, but I want you to recognize that this is not your historical context or your own taking back the power of this word and the way that some folks, some rappers maybe have chosen to use this word and sort of like reclaim its meaning and reclaim its power. This is not something that represents disenfranchisement to us if you are white or represents a lack of power if you are white. And so I want you to understand that this word means something different to different people and we are different. And I think that there's nothing wrong with communicating that we are different. And it goes back to this piece about equity. And it's saying, first of all, one of the things that I love to communicate to folks is that like appropriation is something that is very common, is very prevalent. It happens all of the time. We see it in so many different rungs from, I won't name any names, but to certain celebrities who want to like self-tan and get enhancements to different like musical stylings, right? And it is acknowledging that there is a difference at the end of the day where like, it is a choice for you to turn this on and off. Mm-hmm. If you are a person of color, you it's not a choice. You don't get to turn it on and off, right? And that is a difference. And so I want you to be mindful of that difference when maybe you are choosing to take this one element of the culture that you think is cool or that you hear, and that might not even be conscious. You're just like legitimately repeating a song. But I want you to understand that like, that is one element of a much larger culture. Mm-hmm. And that is a that is a privilege that you can choose to step your toe in and step your toe out. And people who identify as people of color don't get to step your toe in or step your, I will never not be black, right? Sure. And it's it is having those conversations. I think getting young people to recognize that there is difference and that difference doesn't mean bad. Different just means different. And understanding like how that relates to your vantage point and how things can be different for different people. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think the, the biggest challenge we're facing here is 13, 14, 15 year old boys and girls with there's no such thing as context. Sure. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> but I think that though, that in and of itself makes it so important to have people that have not just, they have different experiences around them so that they can in a moment of, of an ooch, you know, oops or an ouch, to help guide them back into it, say, look, you know, okay, it's, you know, we're not going to do it this way. We had a one gentleman on our, our staff um, who is just an awesome guy. He's going to be a division head for us. He was fantastic with everybody, you know, on that standpoint, because he was there and he was in the moment and he'd had experience of it himself. So I think having people with that, that experience that can help with the context is so important. Yes. And also I think it is about not relying on, I'm not saying this was the case, but I know this has been the case in many other contexts, like not relying on the, 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 black camper who came to you to come to you, right? It's right. as you are speaking to your campers and to your families about the things that you value and the things that are done at our camper or not done at our camp, if we're going to say we don't use this type of language, then the onus is on everybody to, if you hear it, to be yeah. ju- to be offended. You won't be offended from the same personal standpoint as a person of color, but that should be prickly to you as well. And right. so you're not always relying on the, on the, the folks who might be directly offended to have to speak up and to, to get everybody to heighten their antennas to hear it. I think goes such a long way. And I bet it, 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 w- it would make folks feel okay. Cause there's definitely a sense as I can tell you as being a, one of the few black places where you're like, Oh, it's on me to say something. Like right. <laughs> I have to say something. Right. And sometimes you don't want to, but right. then you're like, I just, I just kind of, I don't want to do this, but yeah. you then are, are stuck with the, like, if I don't do it, who's going to do it. Yep. And that is a pressure and a weight that I can say I carry with me quite frequently all day, every day. Yeah. And so making sure that it's, it is shared, it's shared responsibility by the community definitely helps. Well, that's, I mean, and that's what great camp, what great camps do is create community that everybody's looking out for each other, you know, and no matter where you, what you look like, where you come from, you know, how much money mom and dad have, or if you have mom and dad, doesn't matter. It's one community and you're there to try to bring out the best self. So in order for, I mean, you've done a ton of research on this. You've, you've read a lot. Um, and I know I, I made you giggle the other day when we talked about, oh, we're gonna, what books would you like to, to tell people to read? Because we're all done with reading books. But what, what resources, what podcasts, websites, um, books that have been useful for you and think would be useful for others that would like to learn more about this topic? Absolutely. So the first uh, thing I recommend is Black Fragility. And even though when we talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion, we're not strictly talking about from a racial standpoint, but I am a Black person. And so I'm going to speak from that context Mm -hmm. because what Black Fragility does is two things. And I actually, just as a side note, suggested that my own organization read it because I wanted them to know what I was just alluding to, which is that pressure of like, should I say something? I want them to know that that is a feeling that is pervasive among many folks of color. And so what I love about that book is that it gives name and voice to how always having to think about yourself in the context of the world and as a person of color, how that can be draining and how that can be weighty. And it gives a lot of historical context. So even as I said, we're doing a book study within my own organization and once a month we discuss and my colleagues will say, I didn't realize, for example, that like the disparity of income for a black family with a college degree versus that of a white family with a college degree was so vast, right? It gives a lot of context to a lot of different things. And I think it's a great place to start. It also is a great place to start because I think it will empower folks to not put the onus always on their black and brown folks to do a lot of this work. And I think that that is one of the benefits of this time period that we have is that we're shifting and allies are asking how they can be involved or people are saying, what can I, what can I do? 
And one of the biggest things is, is try and support your own learning. And I think if this book will set you up to be able to do that. So that's mm-hmm. the first. The second, it's actually a children's book, but it's I Am Perfectly Designed by Karamo Brown. Mm-hmm. And what I love about it is that when thinking about, again, I think about my little niece who is, who is 18 months old. And I think about how now she can finally start to see herself in more books and in more topics. And if you take a children's book, right, where this has nothing to do explicitly, yes, it, 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 con- it covers how they are perfectly designed, you're perfect as you are, but you can do that. All, all, all kids need that message. And you can do that through the lens by a Black author with Black and brown kids on the page. And so I think that's really helpful. And then a couple of things, because I know we left books at I'm telling you, I'm now like an audible queen. I can't even, when I get a paper book, I'm like, oh gracious. Um, there, are two, there are two videos that I think are super helpful. One is a TED Talk and it's called From Colorblind to Color Brave and it's by Melody Hobson. And it sort of alludes to what I was speaking about earlier, which is that we're not actually doing folks an advantage. We're actually doing a disservice if we ignore that there are racial differences and there, there are racial disparities. And so mm-hmm. she, it's the 20 minutes and she talks about that, which I think is super helpful. And then the other, I, I love it. I use it with my own organization. It's an animated short. It's a, it's a, you would say cartoon even, but I think animated short is probably the, <laughs> the technical term. And it talks about how it compares microaggressions to mosquito bites. And it's, wonderful because it's saying, you know, you get one mosquito bite, it might not seem that annoying, but if you're getting five a day, they can seem really, really aggravating. And so it just gives a different perspective on the topic of microaggressions and it really breaks it down. So I love that. And then two more things. There's a great podcast. It's called Listen to Active, excuse me, it's called Activist You and it's for ages five and up. So each episode features an interview with a young activist and the guests are teens who are fighting for racial justice, for climate change, for immigration reform, for LGBTQ rights and more. And so it's geared at kids because we can't always just have these conversations around these these complex topics just with adults. We need to start young so that we're having easier and different conversations as we get older. Um, and then the last thing is the the podcast. It's called Code Switch. It's on Spotify. And it just talks a lot about some of the complexities and challenges. And it's also very timely. So it speaks a lot about what we're experiencing during this pandemic and how that is uh, disparately impacting different groups as well. Awesome. Fantastic. All right. Well, we've, we've all got our homework to do. Yes, um, absolutely. Yeah. And, and it's the great thing about, it, like you said, there's been an explosion of, of information on this standpoint and, and from all different quarters, um, you know, whether it be the TED Talks, Black for Jail, I know there's, it's been quite a bit in the mass media, which is, you know, really good. And I find it's interesting that, you know, you get a lot of different perspectives on this one issue, um, on the, on the issues of race, I should say, it's not just one, it's, it's a huge complex sure. one. Um, you know, whether it be Shelby Steele, you know, writing about it or, you know, my Angelou writing about it. I mean, there's so many different pieces of this, um, that I just think has just been fascinating. Uh, yes. and, and hopefully it will lead to those situations that we talked about earlier, a community that will allow for patience and for learning. And yes, that's, and that's what we all need. Absolutely. And if there's just two things that I, I want to just sort of give you back on what you said, the first is that you're absolutely correct. There are so many different resources and materials. I don't want anyone to feel like you're reading maybe the wrong thing. There is no right, right book to talk about, right? Totally. And so these are just things that I've read so I can like give you my insider yep. perspective or I've listened to, but like the more learning you're doing and the more that you are opening your, your mind like a parachute, you are going to learn more. So please don't feel <laughs> like analysis paralysis of did I choose the right one from Amazon? Like, <laughs> you just, just keep learning just multiple learn. things. Just learn. Exactly. Yep. And then the other thing is that I want to encourage folks because if you look at most camp values, 
right? Mm-hmm. I've actually been trying to, I wish that there was a better way to collect this data, but as I peruse camp websites and as I speak to different camps, most of the values correlate to something about like community or kindness mm-hmm. or, or, or confidence, right? Mm-hmm. In different synonyms and, and, and antonyms, but like those are sort of the core values. And so camps already inherently have those values that we need to be more representative and equitable spaces. We just need to take those and like broaden the scope a little bit, blow those out. What does that really mean to be kind? That means to be kind to everybody. Mm -hmm. What does it really mean to be a community? That means if you hear something that might not directly impact you, but you know that it could impact a member of your community, you Mm -hmm. go tell your director, you go tell your council, right? And then thinking about like the confidence piece, we want everybody to feel good about themselves. And so that means even folks who Maybe there aren't a lot of them here, or maybe they recognize that like at this camp, the camp maybe hasn't done the right work to be inclusive of them. We want everybody to feel good. And so I think that to your previous point, a lot of camps already have the framework in place with the values. It is just a sort of like reimagining of those values and really blowing them out to make sure that they are leading to more equitable, representative and inclusive spaces. Yeah. Are you truly living out what, what you, what the words say? Exactly. Exactly. And like reevaluating them 100%. Awesome. Brianna, thank you so much. It's been great having you around the campfire. I love learning with you. And I'm very excited to hear what goes on with AF camps going forward. Good luck with your first, you know, in-person summer, the summer going going up. I hope it goes fantastic for y'all. And if we can help, let me know. I will absolutely. Thank you so much for your time. It was great to be here. First of all, I've got to thank Brianna for taking the time to speak with me about diversity, equity, and inclusion in summer camp. I'll be honest, I was actually a little nervous reaching out to Brianna in the first place. Conversations about race, diversity, equity, inclusion seem fraught with pitfalls, especially with all that's going on in our country of late. Her approach to this whole thing has absolutely been amazing. She could not have been more welcoming to the idea. Brianna's approach to this topic of that of education, expectation, and acceptance of those oops and ouch moments, which I love. I'm definitely taking that one. The appreciation of, rather than the appropriation of different cultures, these, this couldn't be a more important or useful approach at this time. Look, I know that I'm really biased about this. However, I truly believe that if we, as a society, were to approach diversity, equity, inclusion, In the broader world, as we have done in summer camp and as we continue to get better at in summer camp, our bright future will come a whole lot sooner. If we act our values into existence in both big and small ways, we'll all be better off. And that means literally everybody. And in fact, when we think of humanity, of of all of our neighbors on this little bitty planet that's spinning through the sea of space, we need to start celebrating that which helps us each stand out, as well as that which binds us together. Again, it's just us on this little planet, and we got to do a better job of celebrating each other and connecting with each other moving forward. And as Brianna suggested, let's start small. Let's stand up for what's right and just in our own little area. Let's support those who need the help. Let's welcome everyone around the campfire, wherever your campfire is burning. Thanks for taking the time to listen. If you've enjoyed this podcast, I hope you'll leave a review on whichever service you're using. The more positive reviews, the more these ideas will spread. Our campfire circle is big enough for everybody. See you next time around the campfire. Until next time, do good and be good.
Thanks again to our friends at Scope for sponsoring the Campfire Conversation podcast. Scope stands for Summer Camp Opportunities Promote Education. They provide children from underserved communities with life-changing opportunities through the experience of summer camp. Scope campers benefit from a positive, safe, and healthy environment led by excellent role models who give them the chance to develop their full potential. We both believe that summer camp reinforces what children learn in school and enhances overall academic learning. If you would like to help give some wonderful children a life-changing experience, I hope you'll join me in supporting Scope. You can find them online at scopeusa.org and on social media at support scope.